Hey, good morning, and we're glad you are joining us. We first want to give a shout out to our moms this morning, and uh, we want our moms to know that we love them, and we thank God for them. And so we're glad many of you moms are joining us today. I also want you to know that next Sunday we will be recognizing our high school graduates in kind of a unique way. And so I uh, want you to be looking forward to that. This morning I want to uh, share a final takeaway from the experience that we are going through. Three weeks ago we uh, kind of started looking at the question of what do we take from this? What is it that God wants to teach us in the midst of this? And we've already talked about three things and I want to conclude this uh, this morning and I really want to do two things. I want to give you a fourth and final takeaway from this experience and then at the end I want to leave some time so that I can wrap it all uh, up uh, at the very end so that uh, we uh, take from this what God would want us to take from this. Um, I thought about this you know, a month ago about just what is it that God wants us to learn from this experience and um, kind of just began to lay those out. And the fourth one that I think is very clear and I want to set before you today is a simpler life. I believe the fourth takeaway is a simpler life. And I believe it's something that has uh, exposed itself uh, in the midst of this experience that we have passed through. I want to take you this morning to uh, a story. It's only recorded in the Gospel of Luke. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's verses 38 through 42. For me, it's a rather sentimental uh, story and passage because it was the uh, first scripture I preached from. Um, the first summer we were in seminary, Amy and I went to Olive, Oklahoma, and we uh, spent that summer as a youth minister and uh, up there just for that summer. And uh, I knew from that experience that I was not called to youth ministry, I was called to be a pastor. So, uh, but anyhow, the first Sunday night I was there, the pastor said, Hey, I'm going to be gone. I want you to preach. And so I went to this passage, which I love, and I believe it's, it's, a, it's a classic passage. A story uh, in Luke's gospel and uh, it's kind of funny to me as I look back on that that Sunday night I prepared for that and I preached for about 10 minutes I'd said everything I knew to say I repeated about half of it I got to 15 minutes and I was done probably this morning's gonna be just a tad longer than that maybe not much but uh, it's it's a it's a sentimental story for me and I believe it's a story that um, has great significance for us in the experience that we are passing through. And so God drew it, me to this scripture earlier in the week. And so this is the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha 
was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Uh, I love this story partly because it is a it is a study in personality. We see this contrast between Martha and Mary, and even as we read the story two thousand years later, it rings so true to life. We can see these personalities, and we can see these these two ladies, uh, quite honestly, in our own uh, lives, probably. First thing I want you to see in the story is really just the contrast between Mary and Martha. Now, in verse 38, it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. So a couple things of note. Uh, the story is talking about Jesus, and it's talking about his 12 disciples that are traveling with him. The certain village that... Martha lived in was Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem. We see this actually in the other gospel accounts that uh, Jesus was friends with Martha, Mary, their brother Lazarus. So we see that story that is recorded for us in John chapter 11. And apparently it was their practice when they came to that area. Uh, these were friends and so they would stay uh, in their home. And so Jesus is traveling surely with his 12 disciples. He, is, he has come to Bethany, and it says in verse 38, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. When we come to that word welcome, we, we realize that it is a word that means uh, to receive as a guest uh, into your home. And so in... Those days, and in many parts of the world, we experience this in Africa. Uh, people are traveling. There's not really many places like we would think of today, hotels, motels. Uh, but people are traveling. They come to a town. Uh, they go to their friend's house, and you know they're needing some place to stay. I think one of the dynamics you understand from the story surely was this was unannounced. It was not as if Martha knew uh, that Jesus and his 12 followers were coming to stay at her house, but they show up one afternoon probably, and they're needing some place to stay. And so it is the sense that Martha welcomed him into her house. I think it's probably significant in verse 38 when it says that she welcomed him. So think about this ladies particularly, uh, this is not just anybody that's come to stay at your house. This is Jesus. So there's uh, an elevated sense of uh, uh, probably a sense of responsibility and expectation. It's not just anybody. It's Jesus that's come to stay at your house. I think the other thing in verse 38 that is significant is, and this plays into the contrast that we will say, see with Martha and Mary, that it says that Martha welcomed him into her house. And I think we get from the story that the responsibility uh, primarily lay 
with Martha to serve as a host uh, in this situation. Now it says in verse 39, and we begin to see the contrast because her sister Mary is introduced and it says, and she had a sister called Mary uh, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. Now this is where we're going to begin to see the contrast. And we don't see this yet. It's going to be in verse 40 of what Martha is doing as a host with Jesus in her house. But I want you to notice that Mary sits. You're going to get the sense here in just a minute that Martha was not sitting. She was not being idle. And that Mary made a choice that she was going to sit, not just sit, but she was going to sit at Jesus' feet and she was going to listen to His Word. We're going to see this later. Uh, Mary makes a choice. Uh, we have to believe that Jesus came uh, maybe just for a night. There was a limited, limited opportunity that Mary and Martha we're going to be able to host and engage Jesus. And Mary makes a choice to this opportunity that she's going to spend her time sitting and listening to Jesus and what He has to say. I have a sense of a couple things at this point in the story, just through verse 39, that as Mary is sitting and listening to the words of Jesus, she is aware that her sister is not, that her sister is running around busy with all the things that she believes need to be done to host Jesus properly into her house. The other thing I realize is that not only Mary is aware of what Martha is doing, but get this in the story that also Jesus is aware. But at this point in the story, Jesus says nothing. Now, the contrast is brought out, verse 40, when it says, but. So, Mary is sitting, listening to the words of Jesus, but. And notice just the first half of verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving. And we need to just stop right there. The contrast in the story is that Mary is sitting and listening to Jesus and His teaching, but Martha is described here as distracted with much serving. Uh, I want to start with that word much. Um, it is a word that denotes excess. So it was not just that Martha was serving, but that she was serving much. There was an excess to her serving maybe because of her own sense of expectation and what she thought needed to happen in that moment. The other thing, because it was much serving, it says that she was distracted, which is a word that literally means to be pulled away. She was pulled away by an excess amount of, of service. But think about that, that idea of pulled away. It denotes that you are pulled, yes, to something, but that you are pulled away from something else. In the story, the picture we get is that, Mar uh, that Martha is out of balance. It's not anything wrong with serving, but 
it becomes clear in the story that she was in the wrong because of the excess amount of her service and that it was pulling her away from something that was better. So Martha is not only out of balance in her service, I believe she's also out of order. Uh, I think the priority should have been given to sitting at the feet of Jesus and doing that first as Mary chose. And then uh, Martha could have uh, then out of that then served and done the things that would have been necessary to host not just one man, not just Jesus, but surely she was also hosting his 12 uh, disciples. I got to thinking about the story and this contrast. Uh, what if in the story Mary had chosen to serve with Martha? What if in the midst of it, Mary looks at her sister running around doing all these things that she believed needed to be done? And what if Mary had made the choice? It's like, wow, okay, she's doing that. I guess I need to be doing that too. Well, quite honestly, there wouldn't have been a contrast in the story. And we really wouldn't have gotten to the point that Jesus makes in the story. But because Mary chose something different, we see this contrast. What if in the story, Mary had lived in comparison with Martha and began to look and think, wow, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And she began to serve. The reality is she would have missed the most important thing in that moment, which was to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus in a, probably a narrow window of time, maybe just that evening, as Jesus was passing through, to sit and listen to what Jesus had to say, which would have been the words of life. I realize in our own lives that many times we can get caught up uh, by the choices of others. And we can begin to live out uh, a life uh, that really others are living because we look at our own lives and we assume that, well, maybe I'm supposed to be living that life also. We do not make our own choice for what is the priority in our life. In the story, the contrast then leads to comparison. Uh, the second half of verse 40, uh, and please understand that it is not Mary that brings up the comparison. It is not Jesus who brings up the comparison, but it is Martha who is distracted with much serving, as it says in the first part of verse 40. It says, and she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care? that my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, I get tickled by that statement. And uh, man, you know in the years to come after this, that when this story was recorded in Luke, Martha's just going, oh my, I cannot believe of all the stories that are told, this is the story that comes across as so tacky and petty in my life. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that self-awareness is hard in the moment. 
Martha is so caught up in her life, it becomes very obvious to her that there is something out of balance here, and it is not her. It is her sister Mary who's sitting there doing nothing, as she's now having to do her work, but she's also having to do Mary's work, and she's got all these things to do. These men have come unannounced, and all this stuff has to be done. Martha has this to-do list in her in her mind, the contrast leads to a comparison, at least in Martha's mind, and she raises the issue of Jesus, and her very statement exposes her attitude and her life that is out of balance and is out of order. Uh, Self-awareness is hard in the moment. And so we've seen a contrast. We see a comparison that is made. And so here it is, this contrast between Martha, Mary, and who's going to be the judge. And in this case, uh, Martha brings her case before Jesus, who surely has awareness of what is going on. Martha's assuming the verdict in this case is going to come out in her favor. And so she brings it. And I want you to see in the story that Jesus is a compassionate yet objective judge uh, in this case. And notice what he says, words that are very profound. Verse 41 and 42. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Uh, I detect a voice, a tone of compassion in Jesus' life. It's like, oh, Martha, Martha, sister, <laughs> sister, you, you're all out of sorts. And really, he said that. He said, you are worried and troubled about many things. That word worried means to be in an agitated state of mind. <laughs> uh, boy, that just nails Martha. But this compassionate voice, Martha, Martha, you are agitated in your mind, sister, and you're troubled not about some things, but about many things. Jesus was saying, Martha, just stop and look at this objectively. And if you're asking me, Martha, you're out of balance and you're out of order. Uh, you're, you're troubled, you're agitated by many things. It, it's you that's out of sorts, sister. Contrast verse 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus says, Martha, you're out of sorts, sister. But there's one thing that should have been prioritized here, and Mary chose that. And I think that's interesting that Jesus denotes Mary had a choice to make whether to serve or to sit and listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, no, she made the better choice because life is about priorities. And she has chosen that one thing that was not just the good thing, but was the best thing. And so Jesus as the compassionate yet objective judge, offers his verdict in the case, and he uses it, uses it as a teaching moment, not only for them in their day, 
but also for us in our day. What was it that Jesus was teaching? I believe he was teaching that life is about priorities. That there are a lot of good things, but there are some things that are better. And life is not about doing good things. It is about doing the best things. And it's about doing the best things first. Giving priority to that which is best. Uh, the shutdown that we have, are experiencing has helped us, I believe, to see a contrast between life as we know it now in the midst of the shutdown and what we would consider our normal life. And I believe it gives us an incredible opportunity to see that contrast and to make a comparison between the life that we lived that I think is so typically uh, shown in the life of Martha that many times we have been distracted with so many things and then all of a sudden uh, the coronavirus has shut down much of our extracurricular activity watching sports on TV so many things that we have given our time to and has given us this life that quite honestly is stripped down to really some very basic things. And it's given us this opportunity to see the contrast, to make a comparison, so that we can come to the point where we make a choice about what is most important. And to see our life and whether we are living in balance and whether we are prioritizing not just good things, but the best things and giving them the first place. I believe that we ought to take from this experience uh, this one truth. That we ought to simplify our lives to what is most important. And that's... My fourth challenge. That's my fourth takeaway to you. Simplify your life to what is most important. Use this time to look at your life, contrast it with your normal life, and make an intentional decision about how you will spend uh, your time and your energy. A simpler life is the fourth takeaway. Now, let me wrap this all up in the next few moments. Uh, we've spent four weeks seeking to answer the question, what do we take from this experience? I believe if we see God's purpose in the midst of this, this time will be a transformative time. We started this with a, a picture from a story in the Old Testament, and it was... In Joshua 3 and 4, the children of Israel, uh, the transformative time of moving from the wilderness to the promised land, God uh, stopping the waters of the Jordan River, and them in the course of one day crossing over to a brand new life. And in the midst of that, God said, take up stones and set them on the other side to memorialize 
this experience so you'll always remember. I want to read just a couple verses from that. It's in Joshua 4, and I want to use this just to close out uh, these four sermons. And it says in Joshua 4, verse 4 through 7, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. I'm struck by that last word, forever. And the question will be, as we pass through this experience and as we take some stones out of the river, what will be the lasting impact? And will this experience have a lasting impact or will we get to the other side and in the days to come, will we simply forget what it was that God has done? I am struck by the word forever and I am struck by the statement that is made that God says to the children of Israel, just know this, that years from now, in the time to come, your children are going to ask you, Mom and Dad, what do these stones mean? What was it that God did? Man, I, I hear the voice of those children that is not only a, something that brings us back to that experience, but it is a voice of accountability that says not only do we remember, but are we living out what it was that God said, I want you to learn this lesson in the midst of this. It is so significant that I want you to take up stones and memorialize this on the other side that you would never forget. And just know that someday your kids are going to say, Mom and Dad, what does this mean? Um, the one thing that comes from this experience as we have been taken just in our faith life primarily as we have not experienced church inside the four walls on a Sunday traditional the one truth that just jumps out at me is this that our faith must be defined by more than what happens on Sunday within these four walls and the four takeaways come out of that. First, that we have to focus on faith at home. Secondly, we must expand our digital connection through technology in touching other people's lives in a way that we can connect with them. Third, that we must value one another. And that finally, we must live a simpler life which focuses on those things which are not just good, but, at, but are the best. And may God so mark our lives in these days.
that in the years to come, we will never forget that our lives will forever be changed because God brought us through this time. I want to lead us in prayer. And I want you to know that uh, you have decisions to make. You personally, of what you will do with this. And I pray that you would, you would maximize everything that God would want for you out of this time. And you would make marked decisions in your life. If you need to talk to somebody, uh, I'm available. My phone is listed there, my email. If you're a woman and you'd like to visit with Cricket, she's available. I mean right now. We're available if you want to call. If you have a decision, if you need to talk with someone, if you need someone to pray with you, I would love to hear from you as to what it is that you have decided. And as a point of accountability, you just send me a message and say, for us and our family, for me and my life, this is what we will do. And it will be a stone that we will set. And pastor, I want you to know that that is a decision we will make and we will live out. And so whatever your need is, we are here for you. We want to be available to you. You reach out to us and let us know what God is doing in your life. Let me pray this morning. Father, today we acknowledge you as the God who sees us through the hardest times of our life. And that, Father, you are so great. You are the God who redeems even those hard circumstances for your purpose and for your glory. And so, Father, today I pray that you would mark our lives uh, with what it is that you want us to learn from this experience. And that, Father, we would never be the same because we have passed through this experience. And we trust all this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.